preeminent source on everything Patriots. It's time for Tom E. Curran. So why is he so damn special that we have to call him Tom E. Curran? On WEEI. 10 o'clock straight up. We're getting you ready for the New York Jets at the New England Patriots at 1 o'clock here at Gillette Stadium. And I got to say, in part because of the Red Sox this week and it is the Jets. Not a lot of buzz going into this one. We're coming to you live from the Best Yet Private Brand Studios. And it's uh, Christian Fourier, Jermaine Wiggins, Gresh Keefe. And we welcome in on the Harbor One Hotline, Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston, who joins Gresh and Keefe every Wednesday here to talk football on the WEEI Sports Radio Network. And Tommy, let's start with John Jones going on IR. We know that the, the Patriots traded away Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore will not make his season debut this week. However, that really doesn't matter anymore because he's gone. And, Tommy, uh, what are the bodies on the back end going to look like today? Well, it's going to have a shuffle, and you're going to have, obviously, Jalen Mills is going to be. Ideally, you would kick Jalen Mills in because he does have that uh, slot corner ability. You would kick him inside, and he would deal with, say, for instance, Jamison Crowder, and then it would be, you know, a parade of guys stepping up on the outside. Um, it's funny. I look at this, and we can talk about Stephon Gilmore, but I look at this too, and I say this is where Jason McCourty still had value to a team like the Patriots. Wasn't an expensive player, wanted to be here. Certainly was not a guy who was continually exposed. But when we look at this cornerback depth that has suddenly become a significant issue, I look at Jason McCourty as, as readily as I do Stephon Gilmore and say that's a place that you might look at it. But there'll be Miles Bryant will be on the field um, some more, which the Patriots could have used last week as well, but they went with more linebackers than corners. Tom, what would have to happen for the Jets to pull off the, the upset today? Boy, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to come up with something that's not trite that, that isn't, you know, win the turnover battle and cash in on the red zone. I mean, the Patriots would have to be complicit in it, right? So yeah. they would have to have some things that they do incorrectly that would keep the Jets afloat because the Jets are, are just not really a great team. But even in that 26-6 to defeat the Patriots handed them, you know, the Jets ran – pretty well on the Patriots and it was a closer game than I think people would have expected it to be given the amount of turnovers in the first half the Patriots didn't score wise and really in reality it was never a game you like sitting there saying wow it's, it's an issue here but it was not as convincing as the score would indicate they didn't blast them Tom when you look at this Patriots offense I think we were all we've been talking about this all morning who has to be the guy that says, okay, I'm going to be the apex predator, the alpha dog on this offense. Who do you believe is that guy? Do they have that guy? Or do they maybe have to look you know, to maybe make it a, tr- a midseason trade to get that guy? Mac Jones. Mac Jones has to be entrusted on first down to throw the ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because when we look at the Patriots' splits, running the ball, <clears throat> last week, they, on their first couple of drives, first three drives, threw on first down um, and had, you know, really nice, diverse, unpredictable drives, 
with two tight ends on the field and took advantage of what Dallas didn't expect. After the strip sack, and even on that strip sack drive, there were completions of 25 and 27 yards, one for a touchdown that got called back. Then they kind of turtled a little bit. I think some of that might have had to do with the hit applied by Randy Gregory, but it continued into the second half. And I, I think the Mac Jones has to be the apex predator in terms of saying, okay, we have faith that after the summer and the first six weeks, you understand where the ball should go. You understand how to get us out of a bad play. You understand who's performing well. Go do it. I know it's early. I know you're just a rookie. I know you're 23, but you're our guy. So, okay, have you watched Zach Wilson since the Patriots played them last time, and has anything changed with him? Yes. He has like played He's played better. He's been, I mean, obviously that was a nadir of Zach's first season. Um, but I think that he's played a little bit more in control, made better decisions, certainly. You know, the Tennessee game that he had was, was, a, was a very good performance for him. So I think when you look at, at Zach Wilson, he still is a guy who is going to take chances and rely on his arm, and he's so far behind a player like Mac Jones who had the development of playing under Dayball and Sarkeesian at Alabama and now is with McDaniels. So he's just he's on a very elementary level of football. I mean, I'd be interested. Is there anybody, Lawrence included, that you would prefer to have among these rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, Lawrence. No, no, I mean, for like long term? Long term, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I always, I always wonder, like, how do you Lance? think out of the guys that are all the guys that are that were, like, we have an obvious, a better understanding of Mac Jones because we've watched him every single week. But if you've seen any of those guys, would those guys thrive better in this system? Yes. If you say, if you put Mac Jones in Chicago or oh, San Francisco, sure. yeah, or, yeah. you know, you think those guys would, would be? You think Mac Jones? I, I would think suck. if you put Justin Fields or, or Trevor Lawrence or any one of those guys in New England. They would probably have better numbers because I think their skill set mm-hmm. is higher, right? And if you put Mac in those other with those other teams, he would struggle because their coaches aren't good. So I think that's what it's all about. Everybody goes, oh, redraft, redraft. No, it's about the organization you went mm-hmm. to, I believe, Tom. And when you look at the rest of those organizations, they all suck. And, and luckily, Mac's here with Josh and Bill. Yeah, I think the care and feeding that the Patriots understand how to do with the quarterback is unbelievably sophisticated, evolved, whatever you want to use. I mean, think about it. Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Castle, now Matt Jones. For all the criticism that we levy at the Patriots over the course of time for post-break, they know how to develop quarterbacks and manage younger players. Look, I've been critical of the Patriots this year in the way that they've been complicit in their own demise defensively in the mistakes that they've made. But they understand how to develop players, and they understand where to, where their strengths are. And I think when we look at that that stuff that you're talking about, Wiggy, yep. I mean, you'd never be in a position to throw four picks if Zach Wilson was here. It would never happen. It's just you can't get to that spot, I, honestly. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here on NFL Sunday. We brought this up a little bit earlier, Tommy. How much of what is going on is because of coaching? How much of it is because of players? We see penalties. We see block punts. We see uncharacteristic plays from uh, from this Patriots team. And then even throughout there, the is this a strong coaching staff? Is Belichick still coaching coaches as he's trying to coach players? 
What are your thoughts on that whole ball and mix that the Patriots have right now? I think that's a really good question. It's one that, that I keep considering. Obviously, they're good coaches. I don't think that they're that adept together. Just look at the offensive line. Um, Cole Popovich has been there along with um, Carmen Brasillo for a couple of years. Now Popovich is no longer on the staff. Billy Yates yep. is up. That doesn't mean they're not good coaches, but they're not Dante Scarnecchia. So they're lagging. Um, defensively, you got a bunch of guys coming back to the team, but I think that there's a misconception among the coaching staff this year as to what their capabilities still are. And there's players who you think are going to be able to execute a particular play who, as the play is unfolding, are slow to react, the third and 25 being a prime example of that. So I think that it's the coaching staff on defense overestimating what they can run defensively and the sophistication of what they can run defensively. When we see substitution mistakes, when we see blown coverages, when we see breakdowns inside the 10, when we see guys converting third and 25s, I think that's on the coaching staff to not understand what these guys are capable of week in and week out. And then I think offensively, it's the attrition. But overall, one thing that we're ignoring is they had horrific attendance at OTAs. A lot of teams did. But the Patriots had a completely and drastically new team. And we've been told for decades how important OTAs are. And the Patriots didn't have all their guys at OTAs. Then offensively, they went through a quarterback competition that meant that Mac Jones didn't get all the reps with the John Smiths and the Kendrick Bournes and the Nelson Aguilars to get them up to speed. So if it was important for two decades, it was important this year too, even more important, and they got less of it. Are you seeing any flashes in Jonu Smith, or is there anything to be encouraged? Because I know, personally, my expectations were through the roof and probably way too high for, for Jonu Smith, but I feel like he's been maybe the most disappointing player that they acquired. It has to be the most disappointing, but I just can't imagine that he's not going to play well. I mean, it's just... I'd love to hear from the tight ends. What, and we talked to Castle about it, and he's stunned too because Castle played with him. Uh, Matt Castle played with him in Tennessee. They just aren't getting him the ball in space at all. I mean, he's turned into a blocking tight end, if you look statistically, and Phil Perry did this for us this week. The amount of time he's in pass routes as opposed to just merely blocking is he's a highly paid Dwayne Allen at this point. So there's got to be a way to scheme things up and get him more involved in the throwing game. But I would not say, honestly, Keith, after six games, he's going to have some games where he's going to be eight for 110 or something like that. He's going to have some valuable wow. games. I guarantee we know we will. Not. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. Well, they should give him my number. I can help Jeez. him out with some tips on how to get open. Because <laughs> right. when you say scheme up, right, I, I look at it and go, okay, if it's man – just beat the linebacker, and if it's zone, you kind of know where the soft spot soft spots are. But I, I think maybe his role as being now the guy, and we expect you to do a lot. I think that might be a lot more pressure than he expected. Because in Tennessee, he was a play action. We're running the ball with Derrick Henry, so I don't have to worry about getting open. Because when they run a play fake, I'm wide open because the linebackers and everybody are sucking up. Now you actually have to get open. Have to earn it. You got to make yeah, like Christian said, you got to earn. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. that pressure might be difficult for him. Yeah, and I think that New Orleans game probably left a mark. Look, he had one semi drop 
on the sideline on kind of a Mac Jones. If you remember, he scrambled to his right, threw it, contested ball, but John Smith had both hands on it and dropped it, and then he had another drop down the middle, and then he dropped a pick into a, lineback, a defensive back's hand. I think that game probably left a mark. He got the and yips. if a guy is – pardon? He's got the yips. <laughs> yeah, and if he's got if he got in his feelings after the first one and said, i got to make the next one, and he didn't make it, it's going to take a few weeks, and they're going to have to – Remember with Brandon LaFell, and you guys, I'd like to hear you. Brandon LaFell used to have to be thrown to on the first drive of every game by Brady to get him going, to get him into the game. It was fascinating to watch. Do you guys feel that sometimes receivers need that? Would that be an antidote for a guy like Smith? Uh, Yes, some guys do need it. Yeah, Yeah. some guys need that. I would love it. I would act like I'll I have an affliction. Yeah, oh, you know one. what? I can't do anything unless I get the first play. I always, I always look at the first fifteen and go, "Okay, when's the first chance <laughs> yeah. I got a chance to catch oh. the football? I'd like one early." Yeah, because yeah. I mean, what what harm does it do to throw a six yard out to to Johnny Smith? I mean, I, to get him going. Not- yeah, I think it's a great idea because you get to get your hands on it. Interesting stuff from Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy, thanks. We'll talk to you Wednesday on Gresham Keith. All right, thanks for having me, guys. See ya.